This is an ABC podcast. G'day, it's Bernie Hobbs here. Don't worry, Robin's fine. He's just still piecing together his home recording studio, probably out of old socks and bits of gaffer. But I'm sure it'll do the trick for the duration of the pandemic. Now, this week's Occam's Razor has got nothing to do with viruses or lockdowns. It's about another global challenge, the kind of challenge that rears its head when extended families get together or when talkback lines are open. The vehement disagreement about climate change. How did we get to be so us and them about it all? And can we move beyond it? Here's Rebecca Colvin with some answers. We know the scientists telling us that things are going to be bad. They're bad already. We've just experienced it now. And in a perfect world, we would like to think that if the scientists tell us there's a problem, we need to do something about it, and we've got some ideas about what we should do, that society would respond and we'd take action that reflects what the scientists tell us. But that hasn't been the case with climate change. When you think about climate change in Australia, I bet there's a couple of thoughts that pop into your mind. I imagine, first and foremost, you probably reflect on the summer we've just had. I know I do. But I would be very confident in putting money on a wager that one of the topics that comes to your mind very soon after is politics. And there's a good reason for that. In Australia, we are polarised on climate change. We're second only to the US in terms of how polarised we are on left-right political lines around belief in the reality of climate change and attitudes toward policy responses to climate change. So we can quite comfortably say that climate change in Australia is politically polarised. And this is difficult because if we want to do effective policy, political polarisation kind of stops us from doing it. And a way to think about it is once a conflict or an issue becomes politically polarised, we could say that it normally reflects a dysfunctional conflict. And so a functional conflict is where we might have a difference of opinion, but we still try to find a solution to the issue that we have that difference of opinion about. But when it's dysfunctional, we stop focusing on trying to solve the issue, and instead we focus on trying to defeat our opponent. And so I don't care so much about whether we get the optimal policy solution. I care about telling you that you're dumb and I don't like you. Based on this recognition that polarisation can be challenging for doing good climate policy, some colleagues and I did a little bit of research on what it was that got climate change to this point in the first place. Based on that, we found three key insights that I want to talk you through. They're all kind of interrelated. But first and foremost is this idea that we called ideological bundling. And so this is where we have an issue and we wrap it up with a whole lot of other issues that reflect a particular ideological leaning. Climate change emerged as a political issue of the left. We can see this in the United States, uh, where the documentary An Inconvenient Truth was brought to the public's attention by a Democratic presidential hopeful, Al Gore. And this was significant because if you haven't heard about an issue before, but you see it being talked about from someone who's your political foe, you're likely to think that if they're your foe, the thing they're talking about isn't going to be something that you care about. And this was the case for a Republican congressperson named Bob Inglis, who said, I'm going to paraphrase him because I didn't look up his exact quote, but probably should have. (laughs) But he said something like, 
All I knew about climate change was that Al Gore was for it, so I had to be against it. Now, he's had a change of heart, one of these amazing people that reflects on information and updates their beliefs, and he actually runs a group that's a subset of the Republican Party in the US, looking at building an alliance of support for climate action there. But so this ideological bundling is the idea that an issue that doesn't need to be ideologically divisive gets wrapped up with other issues and ends up falling across that ideological spectrum anyway. One of the other key insights that we found, and this kind of speaks to the ideological bundling that we saw, but is worth reflecting on on its own as well, is the importance of the messenger. So I just mentioned Al Gore, but we know that we humans are groupish animals. We trust people that we see as being like us, as being part of our group, and we distrust people who are outsiders. So if you receive a message about an issue like climate change being a big deal, or about the potential for a solution, like a particular type of policy on climate change, and it comes from an outsider, you're predisposed to mistrust that message and perhaps resist it or even reject it outright. And so we can think about how important the messenger is when we talk about issues like climate change. The third insight is the importance of framing. So framing is this idea that when we discuss issues, that are so expansive and there's so much to them, we put a conceptual frame around part of it and we emphasise what's in the frame at the expense of what's outside of the frame. And so how we talk about issues like climate change is effectively framing them in different ways. And we know that frames for climate change, for example, being a social justice issue, tend to alienate people from the political right. And remember, this matters because we're politically polarised on climate change, so that's a key constituency that hasn't yet gotten behind the need for action to the same extent that other people have. But the research on framing has shown that there are particular ways that we can talk about climate change that actually do resonate with people from these different ideological perspectives. So frames like patriotism and waste reduction tend to land a lot better with people who have a more right-leaning ideological position than a left-leaning ideological position. But with framing, it's not so much that we use a word and it's kind of like pressing a button and people change and we get a new outcome. It's more about signalling who we are and whether we're part of that in-group or part of the out-group. So if you're going to remember anything from what I've said, it's this idea of ideological bundling. But if you can remember three things, it should be ideological bundling, the fact that the messenger is really important, and also that framing matters, how we talk about these issues matter. So I found this um, research to be really useful. I've looked a lot at social psychology and questions of identity. Who's like us, who's not like us, and what does that mean for how we engage with issues like climate change? And I hope that you might find it useful too. All of this tells us about the problem, how we got to this point, but it also starts to point towards some of the things that we can do to get out of this mess. So we can think about when we are having conversations about climate change, are we really trying to tackle the problem or are we simply trying to defeat our opponents? Are we using language that will alienate people who are different from us and emphasise those points of differences instead of those points of unity? And so we can think about whether we're adhering to the script of climate change. Are we saying the same lines over and over and over again that serve to do little more than just remind people that we are one of these people, not one of those people? 
hope that might be useful. I suspect if you're all the folks braving the pandemic to come and listen to these talks, you might know about it a little bit anyway. But thank you for listening. That was Dr. Rebecca Colvin speaking at Occam's Razor Live at Smith's Alternative in Canberra way back in March when we could actually have more than two people in a room. Beck's a social scientist and lecturer at the Crawford School of Public Policy at ANU. And Robin will be back with you next week. Socks willing. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.